Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. I've got something special for all of you. Um, a real estate coach. Big surprise, right? But not just any real estate coach. One of the most experienced real estate coaches in at least the United States, probably the world. I dare say, and I was doing some uh, uh, low-level calculus, I think Steve Powers, who I'm about to introduce you to, well, I think I just did, but he probably is one of the handful of coaches in the world, real estate coaches, that have done more one-on-one coaching calls, or at least the same number, but I think more, than Julie and I. Um, so that's pretty extraordinary. Now, it's funny, too, when you tell people how many coaching calls you've had, uh, sometimes people are impressed. But what they don't really understand is you're not bragging. You're asking for some, you know, please feel sorry for me because that was a lot of a lot of time. Right? So without any further delay, my old friend um, and, uh, you know, somebody that we've had a lot of interesting experiences with over the years, Steve Power. Steve, welcome. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's been about 85,000 half hour coaching calls. So it's a bunch. <laughs> but isn't that funny though? I mean, to, to say that out loud, have you ever, have you ever intellectualized that? <laughs> no, I try not to, uh, because then I realized that I spent 41 hours per week, every week for 25 years doing actual coaching calls plus all well, the other work. But here's the thing, the people I get to work with, I'm so fortunate because they're asking me for help and I get to help them with the real estate career. So although it's a lot of coaching calls, I think there were only two that I wish I didn't do the other 84,000 plus. So glad I did them. So what we're going to do today is you and I have no, we didn't prepare ahead of time because you and I trust each other and we're just going to yep. sort of see where the conversation goes. Sure. What I'd like to do, and I know you'd like to do this as well, is really drill down on what, you know, really, maybe Steve, you can help me co-create this content, right? But what I want to do is I want to deliver something that's really actionable to these guys. I don't know, there's nothing for sale. So don't worry about it. We're just going to straight up talk about the qualities or the characteristics, or, or maybe even the real practical, tactile things that somebody who's consistently successful in real estate does versus what the other people do, right? right. Steve and I share, and Julie and all, the, all of our other coaches, we share a similar philosophy, but I have a feeling Steve's going to have some interesting twists on things that maybe we didn't consider. So Steve, I'm going to start by asking you this question. Um, what makes somebody coachable? What makes, what makes an agent coachable? Really, I think it comes down to its attitude, because then you can teach aptitude. Herb Brooks, who owns Southwest, he had that great quote, I hire on attitude, I teach aptitude. If somebody wants to use real estate as a career, as a profession, to better their life, to earn money through real estate, to buy a great life, then it's easy to coach somebody. If they're not all in, real estate's not for them. If somebody wants to dip their toe in the water and play at it, and be sociable, they'll get wiped out of this business. But Tim, you and I know, you give us anybody who wants to succeed through real estate, we have the easy part, because all we do is tell them the mechanics of what to do, because they have the right attitude. So I I, I know it's attitude, uh, a chip on their shoulder, they want to prove something to the world, you know, I, I coached this wonderful woman, wonderful. And I and I said to her, why should I coach you? And she said, my husband left me, took all my money and told me I would never make a hundred thousand a year. I said, you're in. And she is killing it because her attitude is I'm going to prove to the world I can do this. And that's all it really comes down to. Yeah, I wrote that down. I agree with you, everything. Uh, it also, well, the good bit of this is though it goes to your, your a chip on your shoulder point is, uh, you know, doing what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level, right? I mean, moving past the, but that's the interesting thing. And this is, this is going to be fun. (laughs) So there, in in the, in the sort of uh, culture, there's this belief that you have to have passion for what you do in order to get results. You have to love what you do every single day. Is that true? I forgot the author's name, but in a book that I read, the question to the author was simple. Do you have to love what you're doing to be good at it? And he said, absolutely not. What you need to do is be a professional and get great at what you're doing. And then you'll love the fact that you're great at it. 
and then you'll do it. That's awesome, dude. I love that. That's really good. Thank you. Well, but so the, the whole passion thing is where it's it's essentially derailing a lot of people with tremendous uh, potential and of all ages, right? Because they right. they believe they have to have passion to be successful. So if I don't feel that passion, I'm not going to be successful. So I'm going to stop trying. What do you think about that? I think the passion comes as you get better at it. With, with any new endeavor, you're going to have teething pains. You're going to be the new guy on the block. You're going to make mistakes. And everybody thinks they can go from zero to hero because they watch three YouTube videos about how to do real estate and they got it. But I want you to think about this. I coach a lot of great people and I tell them they have to get comfortable, Tim, with the zeros. Can I can I tell you what I mean by that? Of course. We get an agent. You do 25 deals a year. That is top of the line. You're in the top 5%. 25 deals, average commission, 10 grand. You're making a quarter million. You're out earning your brothers, your parents, all your friends. And yet, when you do 25 deals, that's only one every 14 days. You're going to go 13 days with no listings taken, 13 days with no buyer sales, 13 days with no listing appointments. See, everybody thinks, oh, the 25, 250, yahoo! But you have to understand, there's going to be a lot of dead time where you're not getting anything but zeros. And you have to get comfortable with the fact that your job is to do your job every day, knowing that a lot of days will be a zero, and that's okay. Because at the end of the year, you have 25 days out of 365 that weren't. And those 25 days pay a quarter million dollars. Well, exactly. You know, I, there was an interesting thing that came out. Like when you and I first met, Steve, the average sale price in the United States was probably about 225 grand. Sure. The average sale price in the United States as of the end of last month was 429. Think about that. And we're not that old, you know, but, but that, that's extraordinary. So if it, you know, your, your, your math works, but just think about that. Somebody gets in the business, they sell 25 houses. Like you said, it's going to be a pretty extraordinary amount of money, depending on what their average commission is. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, so so here, let's let's make it practical, right? Sure. So if you are you you have a brand new agent on the phone, they've got that little genesee qua, they've got that spark, they're willing to do what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the highest level. They've got that chip on their shoulder. You feel it as a coach that this person is going to really, you know, take to it exactly, right? right? That's the kind of now. What would be the first three things you tell that person to do to really launch and launch to the point where they have so much momentum? What would be the three things if there were three? In all sales, the first thing you do is you lean on your family and friends. The first thing you have to do is lean on your family and friends. If you go into financial planning, they make you call all your family and friends. And then you sell your dad a policy, you sell your brother a policy and your best friend from high school a policy. And then the work really begins, but you got three under your belt. So the first thing I would do is I would work with whoever your broker is, whoever your leader is, and compile a list of all your family and friends way out there, your Facebook friends, your Instagram friends, and announce to the world that you're ready to help them with their real estate needs. And here's the good news. The public doesn't really expect us to be that good. So they're okay letting you work with them if you're brand new. See, you announced to me that you're 19 and you want to be a doctor who wants an operation. I'm not going to you. You announced to me you want to sell a house, I'll buy a house with anybody. So the first thing I would do is I would make a list of all my family and friends and announce multiple different ways I'm in real estate and try to reach out and help them work with you. Because each one of them, guys, and the term I use is a conduit. If you have a neighbor that you know, they know 200 people you don't. The average person moves every 10 years. Your neighbor will learn of 20 people that will move in the next year. That's a conduit. So that's number one. Number two, I have them preview. They've got to go preview houses. And if you think about it, they go preview eight houses, four days a week. That's 32. I make them work every Saturday and Sunday because so many people come into real estate in their first month. They don't work on Saturday and Sunday. And then when they have to start working on Saturday and Sunday, they can't because they have too many other activities. So if they preview 40 houses a week, Tim, that's 200 a month. In six months, they've been in 1,200 homes, haven't they? Well, it, to your point, though, just to underline that, knowledge equals confidence, ignorance equals fear. And the best way for you to have confidence is by knowing the market better than anybody else. Because most anybody. agents, the first thing they stop doing when they get really busy is they lose their market knowledge. That's an excellent point. And here's the big thing that is nowadays, when you walk into almost any house that you're previewing or showing, please remember you're on camera. 
That <laughs> seller paid $49 for a Wi-Fi camera facing the front door. And if your hair isn't done, you're not wearing professional clothes, you're not going to be hired by that seller in the future. Or if you're showing a house to a buyer, guys, think of this. You walk in and the buyer goes, oh, the carpet's awful. And you go, oh, this is terrible carpet. I hate it. And the seller has five contracts. You're not one of them accepted because they hate you. Don't put down the house. Walk in and go, wow, this is so much better than the pictures. Then walk around the house going, wow, no popcorn ceilings. That's a plus. Two shower heads. I talk really loud. I walk fast. The seller is hearing you, how much you like the house. So you're learning 1,200 properties in your market in, in six months. And 1,200 sellers now know who you are and they like you. It all adds up. So if there's a third, if there's a third thing, that's awesome. I love it. You got that third every Saturday morning, and unless your religion requires not to, you you've got a prospect Sunday night. I'm a big proponent in two hours every Sunday night. As you know, Tim, I own part of Powerline Prospecting. We prospect for people. We prospect Sunday nights, and our hit ratio is three to one, three times the amount of appointments on Sunday night than any other time. Think about this, guys. A buy owner held their house open Sunday. Nobody came. They've got four loaves of honeyweed bread in their bed, in their hands, because nobody came. They've got their dirty St. Joseph statue upside down because they read that works. And then you call Sunday night. You make an appointment. You call on Monday. You're in 100 other agents are calling. So prospect, preview, call your friends and family, work on weekends. Real estate's an easy job. It's just a lot of work. Yeah, it is a lot of time, right? But it's, you know, so uh, you said something. Well, you uh, help me out here. Absolutely Sunday night. Uh, absolutely Saturday morning. Uh, the it, the last day of the month, the first day of the month, especially if that last day, first day falls over a holiday. Because all the other agents are at the beach and you're the one that's prospecting. You're the one that's right. working. By, by the way, we, we, we don't say prospecting because usually that causes agents to go, whoa. So what we say is proactive lead generation. See, it's much softer. We've taken the edges off. <laughs> Whatever, PLG, proactive lead generation. I don't care what you, you call it. You got it. I All gave I it to you. Is that if I'm not talking to somebody, somebody ain't selling with me. Totally, 100%. And that's really at the end of the day. And well, so energy enthusiasm too. I mean, we're still working on the new agent, right? That's energy right. enthusiasm will overcome lack of you know experience and education 100% of the time. Because people are attracted. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of another fascinating thing that, you know, if you have energy and enthusiasm for what you're doing and for you just be excited, be, you know, and you have to, some of you, if you're super introverts, you're gonna have to train yourself to do that. We did a series of uh, podcasts on that just uh, two weeks, well, maybe a week ago. Yeah. And, you know, so just go to real estate coaching radio and listen to that, how to basically as an introvert, train yourself to be more of an extrovert. But I mean, guys, Steve said it, that you know, it is interesting, Steve, real estate is the simplest business that people overcomplicate, right? Why does it, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's about taking listings, maintaining a certain number of listings, yep. a certain number of those listings will sell every, uh, every month. Why has it been, why has it been made so ridiculously overcomplicated in the last 20 years? Do you have an opinion on that? Well, it goes back to, you got to get comfortable on the zeros, Tim. If you're doing 25, again, which is a tremendous amount of deals, you're only doing a deal every two weeks. So you got to overcomplicate the 13 days in between to fill in the void. Or you've got to spend 13 days in between on the phone, door knocking, doing lead follow-up, going to preview houses. And the majority of agents don't want to do that 90% of every day. So they overcomplicate this business. I mean, I see it all the time. So do you. I The next two weeks, I'm getting a new CRM. I'm joining Boomtown, Y Lopo, follow-up boss. So I'm going to take the next two weeks. No, 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 no. But that's what realtors want to do. And then again, they live, they work in an office where the number one agent did two deals in a month. So they're right on track and they're okay not doing anything all day. That's awesome, dude. And I agree completely. Or, the, or of course, they're going to say, you know what? I'm going to make a whole bunch of TikTok videos. I'm going to do all this other stuff. It, it, it's a fun it's a fun game to play with people, right? So if you had to take five listings in the next 30 days, what would you stop doing, right? Agents know, yeah. right? If you had to take five listings or something really bad was going to happen, right? Yeah. What would you stop doing? It, you know, you ask questions like this too. And the answer is just boom, materialize. What? Stop doing, you know, pretty much all the things that you're doing. Because you right. know those things aren't going to lead directly to you being in a position to help people make money. I love that. 
All right. Uh, so now you've got somebody that's at 25 units and they want to go to 50 or 75. What does that person have to start uh, do? What would be maybe three pieces of advice or coaching you, you'd lend to them? Number one, they need to get a secretary or an assistant. The first thing they have to do is start to leverage and delegate because we have sellers, buyers, agents, appraisers, brokers, everybody wants to call you. And so we need to hire someone at X amount per hour or we're doing that work. And my recommendation is you hire an assistant, but treat them like a secretary for the first 30 days. They're just there to answer the phone, make copies, input, export. They're not there to negotiate home inspections. They don't have the experience. So we have a lot of agents. They hire someone in three days. Okay, you call my sellers every week and give them an update. No, that's your job. So get a secretary, get assistant. Number two, you've got to dramatically increase your sphere of influence. With the great people I'm coaching right now, we're all adding 250 people to our sphere in the next four months. We know that theoretically 25 will give us a deal next year. So we're going to be door knocking and prospecting and adding people that have some semblance of real estate. But if we add 250 people to our sphere, that'll give us 25 deals next year and 25 deals the year after. A sphere of influence has a shelf life of about two years. And so That's solid. I'm writing that down. I love that. I'm going to give that well, it's, it's, too. it's basic because, and this is what I've always done in the fourth quarter of every year. We call our sphere, and they're on the chopping block. And so, Tim, if you and Julie came into my sphere in 2019, well, you had, I don't count 2019, you had all of 2020 and all 2021. I've talked to you four, six times a year. You've been in my follow-up. I've sent you emails. You've watched my Facebook. I've rubbed your feet. I've called you thin and beautiful. In two years, I have worked you. Now, in that two years, you gave me zero referrals. And then you tell me you refinanced your house and you got a 1.9, 10 years, and you put graveyards in the back of your house because you're going to die there. I got to say goodbye. So at the end of fourth quarter of every year, if you've been in my sphere for two years or more and you haven't given me any referrals and you have no intention of moving, bye-da-bye, bye-da-bye, bye-da-bye. Well, so so let's drill down on that. And I, that was really, that's fantastic. So, um, and I wrote some things down because I've just learned a couple of things from you and I appreciate that. What uh, what should they be doing? Centers of Influence and Past Clients, there are coaching organizations that basically want you to rain tchotchkes on them constantly. Forget-me-not seeds and air pools, pumpkin pie in November, all these drop-off type things. What do you prescribe to your coaching clients when it comes to their Centers of Influence and Past Clients to stay in front of them? First of all, just because they're a past client doesn't mean they're useful. Okay. One of my past clients has a Nobel Peace Prize in dark matter. Do you know what kind of analytical person you have to be to have a Nobel Peace Prize in dark matter? This man works in a hole on dark stuff. He has no friends, doesn't talk to anybody. Now, his wife isn't expressive. She was Miss Teenage Virginia. She knows everybody and everybody knows her. The husband, past client, gets one call a year. She gets six. So the first thing you want to do is take your past clients and realize they're not all equal. Some of your past clients, Mr. or Mrs., one of those partner is a conduit, is a feeder, and the other is dead weight. So I would not call them equally. That's the first thing I do. Next thing you do demographics. If you and Julie were kind enough to buy a house with me back in 2017, you're on your four going on five year reign. Your child is 18 leaving college next year. Demographically, you're more likely to move. So I'm gonna increase my calls to you and Julie. So it's knowing your past clients and doing a little bit of analytics to decide who gets a call. I grade them A, Bs and Cs. My A's get six calls a year, go ahead. But this is what you're saying, and I want them to hear you because this is incredibly important. Call. You are calling. You are picking up the phone. You are having direct communication with people. If you drip them, if you, you know, drip campaigns, as Steve knows, have proven to be largely wastes of time. And that's not Tim or Steve saying it. That's every research study that's been done. Long-term lead follow-up, 
especially digitally, does not work to the point where you probably shouldn't even consider doing it. CRM lovers, I'm sorry, do your own homework. You'll discover that's true. Uh, but you're saying you pick up the phone and you call folks. So let's talk about that. Picking up the phone and calling them, what do you say? Well, first of all, I always come from gratitude. And, and here's why. If someone is kind enough to allow me to help them buy where they're going to live, that's a huge honor in my mind. When somebody says to me, if you and Julie were, were working, says, Steve, we want you to help us buy a house. That's a tremendous responsibility because this is where you are going to raise your kids, where you're going to have your holidays, where your family's going to come, what schools your kids are going to go to and what friends they're going to have. If someone is kind enough to say, I'll work with you to buy a house, then you got to give them that honor when they're a past client. They're not a piece of meat. They're not, they're, they're a client that's going to help you move your business forward. So think about this, Tim. In your real estate career, have you ever had a person give you a referral? Yes. They gave you six, eight, ten, twelve thousand dollars. That's like someone walking down the street and go, "You're Tim Harris." Yes. Here's ten thousand dollars. Why? I like you. If somebody handed you ten thousand on the street, that'd be a story you'd be telling the rest of your life. Yes. Absolutely. And yet, a buyer comes to you and says, "Hey, work with me for a little bit of time, and I'll make you ten thousand dollars." And we treat them like they're a customer at the Dollar General. So I know my past clients. I know the personality styles. I know where they work. So when I call them, Tim, it's your realtor, Steve Powers. That's how I start everything. Good morning, Tim. It's your realtor, Steve Powers. Because I like to think they know me as Steve. But I've sold 4,000 houses. They don't know me. So I give them my name, your realtor, Steve Powers. How are you and Julie doing? How's your baby doing? So I start out recognizing that you're a person and I know you. Then I see who you want, know that wants to move. Shall we do a role play? They love role play, Steve. You ready? Yep. All right. I'll, I'm going to do the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not working. <laughs> so ring, I'm going to be ring, the first. Ring, ring. I, <laughs> ring, ring, you know ring. I wasn't going to do the hard roll, right? No, no. That, you know, it's funny when I coach, they always want me to do the hard so I'm like, no, no, no. If I'm when the golf coach, you got to hit the ball. You exactly. know? That's right. <laughs> hey, coach, teach me how to swim, jump in the pool. <laughs> All right. Uh, hello? Hi, Tim. It's your realtor, Steve Powers. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing great, Steve. That's wonderful. How's Julie? Oh, she's, she's wonderful. She just got back from, you know, uh, tennis practice. Wow, that's fantastic. So she still loves tennis, yeah? Yes, she does. Now, do you ever play with her or should you let her do that on her own? I am terrible at tennis and she just it gets too much pleasure out of watching me swing like uh, a fool. So I stopped playing with her just out of preservation of my ego. Well, I think you're smarter than most of us because my wife likes to play golf and I try to go out there with her. And uh, honestly, I don't think it's good for our marriage. I think sometimes it's best to have them do something separate that they're better at than us. And we do things separate as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Tim, Tim, you're so great to pick up the phone. It's Friday morning. I know you weren't sitting around hoping I would call. Do you have a quick minute? I do, Steve. You know, Tim, interest rates right now are at Abe Lincoln levels. I mean, they're so low and the prices are so high. So I'm calling to see who do you know in your neighborhood or your family that might consider selling in the next year? Well, you know, now I think about it, I happen to know the guy that bought the house next door to us. He actually owns the house across the street and he hasn't put that and he hasn't put that house for sale. And um I know uh, another guy that lives down the street who I talked to two years ago who said he'd probably put his house for sale and he hasn't sold it yet. So those are, I mean, those just off the top of my head, those are a couple. But, you know, Steve, honestly, with Julie, she, you're going to want to call her because she's going to know, you know, a lot more people than me. Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for those two people that might need our help. Now, you say across the street, if you're if you're at your front door, is it to the right or left across the street? Uh, you know what? I'll text you their name and their address. All right. Excellent. And the person you said two streets over, do you have their name and phone number in their in your HOA directory? It's one street. And um, I do. Yeah, I can get that for you. No problem. Nice. All right. Perfect. Tim, are you going to be home in about two hours? Um, yeah. All right. Let's do this because I have an appointment with someone about a half a mile away from you. 
why don't you gather that information? I'm going to stop by in about two hours. You want a cup of Starbucks or anything? Uh, make it two. I'm just giving you two leads. I get two cups of coffee, You get right? two cups. That's and right. let's stop for a second. If this is the unicorn, if I get somebody who gives me this, I'm not going to wait for them to text. I'm That's going right. to go to their house and I'm going to make you give them to me. Because if not, then you and I have, Tim, did you get that name? I'll try later. And then I'm chasing you forever. Someone like you, who's kind enough to give me two leads like this in the neighborhood, this is gold. This is once a year stuff, guys. This doesn't happen. Because most of the time, what I get from Tim is what I hear from my wife. No, 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 no. All right, thanks. Thanks for a great call. Because that's what happens most of the time. I don't know. We're not moving. None of my family is. I remember if I know somebody, Steve, and that's okay as well. But guys, just to break on this role play, if somebody is giving you a lead across the street, and Tim, did you notice I said, if you're at your front door, is it across right or left? What color is the front door? Because I'm going to go door knock that son of a gun. Because well, leads are fleeting. And, and yeah, they are. And they have it. But here's the other thing. If you did not, if you were not proactive in going and getting that information from me, then that's going to create awkwardness in the relationship forever. So now, forever. like when you see me and I see you, you psychologically, you're going to start thinking when you see me at Starbucks, you know, Tim said he's got leads for me, but he's never given them to me. And I'm going to think, well, I think I somehow promised Steve something and I forgot to follow up. It's just weird. So if someone offers you something, your urgency is definitely a home run. And the other thing is, um, you know, it's uh, who do you know who's thinking about buying or selling or truthfully, who do you know who's thinking about selling uh, that I should be helping and that that I should be helping part at the end? Yeah. It, it, it does two things. One, it softens the question a little bit, but it makes it for most agents who are uncomfortable asking for something. It makes it so that now that they're comfortable, the amiable and the analytical types. Steve, who do you know, or whom do you know, if, you know, that I should be, that I should be, who do you, whom do you know is thinking about selling their home that I should be helping? And then you can tag into this market or whatever. But if you ask it and you kind of nerf up the question a little bit, generally speaking, that's going to get a, a, an interesting, favorable response because it's, and it's subconscious too, right? Subconscious in the question asker's mind and the person receiving the question. And that's something everyone can do. And, and Steve, if they're uncomfortable um, picking up the phone, which is interesting, and, and maybe you can help me understand this. Why is it that people are more, uh, are more willing to door knock than they are make phone calls, even though door knocking is so much less efficient as far as time allocation? Why do you think that's true? Well, because some people are more comfortable face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the door knock. I'm under six feet tall. When I door knock, I'm not imposing. I'm a great door knocker. I've got great script, great smile. I wear a door knocking outfit. I have a whole routine so I can pat myself down and don't give out a card. But if you're good at door knocking, you can kill because you add 250 people to your sphere from door knocking. Those are tight people. Those are tight. They've met you. If you're great at prospecting the phone, do it. But you got to do one or the other because being on Facebook isn't going to do it. Let's go back for a second, Tim, on the, the role play. You said it. I said, I'll say it's slightly different. I drilled down the questions. The average person moves every seven to 10 years. So the chance, Tim, that you're going to move on this call in the next 90 days are not that great. But you know 200 people. So you're going to learn of 20 or 30 people that are going to move in the next year. And I've got to get you to think about referring my name out. Now, there's two types of personality styles that refer, amiables and expressives. Amiables refer out guys because they want to help people. Expressives refer out because they want to look good. So when I talk to an expressive, Tim, who could you see in your neighborhood? Who have you seen? Where do you look that you find someone that wants to sell their house the next year? Who do you see I can help? I use look and see. They're very visual because it's all about Tim looking good. But the amiables, it's about helping them. And so I drill down. What about your family, Tim? Sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles? Who are you going to see over the holidays that needs my help either this fall or maybe next year? See, I'm drilling down. So when you're at Thanksgiving and you're hearing your sister's having her fourth baby and they have to buy a new house, you're going to say, oh, my realtor said this was going to happen. So I'm kind of planting the seeds. It's, it's awesome, dude. This is Mastercraft. I love it. So, so here's the thing also, Steve, but I'm going to go back to this. It's in, it's innate at this point in you and me to obviously call or door knock or have direct communication. But so many agents are getting into this industry and they're never being told. They're being almost, um, 
I mean, lied to is how I perceive it, that they never have to develop those direct communication skills. You can mail people, you can digitally market to people, you can throw people in the funnels, you can drip campaign people. What do you say to an agent that is uh, has that mindset when they approach you? I'm sure you've dealt with that. People that are needing to be deprogrammed before they're actually willing to do the real work of real estate. How do you help somebody bridge the gap if they've been on this you know, technological digital bridge for so long and they're realizing, you know what, I'm not getting where I wanted to be. I'm listening to what Steve and Tim are saying. I know intuitively that I need to be communicating directly. How, how do I make that transition? What do you, but it's hard, right? So how do you- Oh, it's hard. That? Well, because it's a new skill set. It's like going from baseball to volleyball. It's still ball, but it's totally different. Being technologically advanced and using Instagram, Facebook, and promote is wonderful. Guys, if you're using ClickFunnels and you're using Google service ads, good for you. One of the things I do is I'll say, Tim, tell me all the things you're doing for your media, social media. And then I go, hold on, let me write it down. I write it all down. I go, wow, that's fantastic. Tell me honestly, how many hours a week do you spend on it? So Tim, say 10. 10. Nice. That's a good number. The average agent works 50 to 55 hours a week. So if we say 50 minus your 10, because I don't want you to stop that, what do you plan to do the other 40 hours to make money? Uh, I'm going to make TikTok videos of me dancing. There you go. And how has that worked out? And are you willing to try something? It's just a series of questions to get you to realize. But if they're talking about it, they realize it's not working. I have people that come to me all the time and they're like, you know, I've been stuck at the same level. And I, well, okay, let's talk. And, and before I'll talk to someone about joining me at Watson Powers Coaching, I'm going to do research because I don't want to spend an hour with someone. I had a wonderful gentleman last night and we're talking with his wife because they're a team. I researched everything on him and he does enough Facebook that it's not his dominant way. And he does enough Instagram. It's not his dominant way. And his Zillow reviews are good and his Google reviews are good. And they do about 45 deals a year and I can help him get to 200 next year. But they don't spend all their time on it. They just don't know what to do otherwise. Well, have a doubt. We got a, my new puppy. <laughs> Kieran, like the beer, not like the lady. Kieran, stop. Okay. Kieran likes what you're saying. She's very enthusiastic. <laughs> so, okay, let's move, the, let's move the conversation forward. I've been writing down questions based on what you're saying. <laughs> She's trying to protect you, Steve. That's a good dog. Yeah, my wife adopted her. <laughs> you know, I think you did too, brother. <laughs> yeah, she's a beautiful, beautiful German Shepherd. Um, so, okay. So we talked about centers of influence and past clients. We could talk about that for the next thousand years easily. Uh, and you're right. That is absolutely the first thing that we tell people to do too. It's the lowest hanging fruit. It's the easiest conversation to have. Hopefully you're, you know, you're that. Okay. Let's set that aside. All right. I've got that widget working. I'm, I'm, I'm working it. I'm calling them. I'm doing that as part of a scheduled daily routine. I'm starting to get results from that. And if I wanted to add, Julie and I call them spokes on a wheel, right? So your first spoke is your center of influence of past clients. If I wanted to add another spoke, what would that spoke be? Go visit for sub owners every Sunday. Yep. You know, the, the whole purpose of being with a buy owner is to be there when they're sick of it, when they're tired of it. When, when the buyer called them and said, hi, Mr. Seller, my wife and I can't buy your house. The bank says we need something called a job. So we can't buy your house. And they're despondent because they were banking on that. So one of the things you want to do is every Sunday, go to for sale by owners. And, and you know, you go from past clients in sphere who love you to the group that absolutely doesn't love us, except that one out of 10 buy owners list every week. So you got a one in 10 chance of being in front of a buy owner who's going to hire someone. So the script is relatively simple. How long will you go selling by owner before you decide to hire an agent like myself? And then yeah. again, working Sunday night, I'm going to call them all. Hi, Tim, you were kind enough to allow me to come to your open house that you're doing by owner. Curious, what contract did you accept? See, I don't say, do you have somebody interested? Because I don't have somebody interested. Curious, what contract did you accept? So, Tim, what are you going to say? Um, what contract did I accept? Uh, I don't really, I mean, they seem, they had a lender's letter. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's did the contract. Did somebody write you a contract to buy your house today? Uh, no, but I have some people telling me they're going to, and I have some investors say they're going to make me all cash offers. Okay. Well, you know, the investor offers are going to come between 60 and 65%. So why don't I stop by in an hour and show you how I can actually get you a real contract? I'll see you in an hour. 
So it comes 100% and 100% for sale by owners should be the next one because of FISBOs. You know, again, Steve, let's just look at this from a practical perspective. Agents are spending, and the number is billions of dollars on what essentially is lead generation every pre, every year. Zillow and all the rest of them, right? There's billions of dollars being spent on lead generation. And here it is in your marketplace. There are a list of people who have their hands up in the air right now saying, yes, I want to sell my home. This is my phone number. I want to sell my home. And we know statistically that most for sale by owners end up listing with an agent. Um, and we know for, we know statistically that most for sale by owners are for sale by owning because they don't know an agent. That's and right. so if you're the agent that calls them and you follow an organized, systematic approach, you're not going to get all of them, but you're going to get a lot of them. Um, and, and, and those leads are free. It does take your time, but those leads don't cost you anything. And every and one for sale by owner, how many different uh, opportunities can come from that? I mean, centers of influence and past clients aside, that FISBO, you might sell it yourself. They might end that FISBO might that you know seller might end up buying a house from you. I mean, the, the downstream benefits from just learning how to be a proactive lead generator after you've got your centers of influence and past clients set up and starting to focus on for sale by owners is extraordinary. And think about this, Tim. If the commission is 10 grand to keep it metrically simple. And you get six a year. You work three Sundays every month. And you had six closings. Who the heck has a job working three hours on a Sunday for $60,000 a year? That's unfathomable in the real world. It is. See, again, going back to the zeros. I'm going to go visit a lot of my owners. And every month or two, I'll pick one up. I get six a year. I get 60000 Now I got past clients I can call. I got a sold sign I can work with. Hello, Karen. So. The nice part is, is that by owners, as Tim said, why are you looking for someone wants to sell the house? It's me. The downside is they don't like realtors. Now, the good news is most of our competition is so bad that you'll stand out when you get there. And if right. you call them back at night or sometimes when I feel there's a need, what time is your open house till, say, five o'clock, Tim? Five o'clock. So, you know what I'm going to do for you? I've got two other appointments. I'm going to swing back at five o'clock. If you have an offer, I'll be able to help you make sure you get a great offer. If not, I'll see how I can help you sell the house. And if they let you come back at five o'clock, what does that mean? Yeah, you're going to get that listing. But if there's obviously there's you and I are just we're, what we're trying to do is motivate people, agents to actually start building businesses that are based on proactive lead generation. And the, and the ultimate output of what we all prescribe to is going to result in huge profit margins. And that's the other thing, Steve, in the you know decades that we've been doing this, that's you know, you and Julie and I and all, you know, it's shocking. Agents have normalized these single digit in some cases, barely double digit net profit margins because they they buy leads, because they spend all their money on branding and marketing, because they spend all their money on building teams and then adding buyers agents. Guys, all of those things have a place in the industry. But if you're really looking to start, look, why is there an over 90% failure rate in real estate after 24 months? It's because they're not learning how to do the proactive lead generation. Yep. Everything that Steve and I were just sharing, the ideas we're sharing with you guys, intellectually, intuitively even, you can see why these things are the next natural step for all of you to be doing in order to build your real estate businesses. And yet, what's going to happen as soon as you're done listening to this? And by the way, we're not trying to sell you anything. We're just trying to help you. Yep. After you get done listening to this conversation, which is what this is, I'm having fun. Hopefully, Steve is too. I'm I know his dog is. Right. <laughs> the dog's having a blast. <laughs> but at, so how many of you are going to get an email or a call from somebody trying to sell you a lead and you're going to say, yes, I'll buy that lead for 30 or 40 percent, even though they're you know, at a discounted commission. Yes, I'm going to decide to chase that shiny object or that shiny object or that shiny object. Guys, billions of dollars are spent every single year in the industry by agents who are trying to avoid the real work of real estate. And, and, and that's you know, that is a fact. And what does that lead to? What's the output? Over 90% of all agents fail within 24 months. And Julie and I have a theory because we watch the total number. Just I won't get into the weeds of it, but we right. think the, the the longevity of the average agent coming into the industry is now less than 24 months. We believe that the average agent in the business is in the business at paying NAR dues, basically. Uh, and, you know, I'm, we can validate this for about a year and a half. So you're seeing that the longevity of most agents coming into the business shrink. You know, so you, you get into the business and what's the first thing that, agent, uh, that an inexperienced coach or office manager is going to tell you to do? Buy leads. 
buy your buyer leads. What do you think about that when someone says, I'm going to buy buyer leads? And <laughs> that's my soapbox. But what here's do you think? the key. If somebody gave me a lead of a buyer who wanted to buy the house this week and I'm the only one with the lead, I got a chance. Mm, bingo. But when Google sells you an ad, a buyer lead, it's you and 50 others. If you're in Dave Ramsey, in my market, there's 31 Dave Ramsey people. So when Dave Ramsey gives me a lead for their 30% plus off, 30 other people are competing for the lead. And the one who will cut their fees the most gets it. It's a simple number, guys. If you're calling 20 houses on a street, three pick up. Is that a fair statement, Tim? Yes, sir. Who's talking to the other 17? The guy or gal who gets in their car, knocks on their door, looks presentable, does a great script. The average person moves every seven years. Every seventh house you go to, that person won't be there next year. And if you're warm and you have a professional script and you're, you do your job correctly, they will let you know, oh, now we're not moving this year. So you're moving next year? Yes. Let you and I become best friends. Then next year, you'll hire me. So guys, it's a simple business. Go where everyone else isn't to find the people no one else is talking to. That's why 100%. we work on Sunday night. That's why we go door knocking. Exactly. And, and, and everyone to, you know, I love this point, but everyone is what everyone is talking about and what everyone is doing. Don't do that. And, and when you're and I know you experienced this as well, when you're talking to, you know, Jade Mills, you're talking to some of these top producing agents around the country. What they're doing is they're calling people and they're making that they, they hold themselves accountable or the coach holds them accountable to making a certain number of contacts. They're calling people. They might do the ancillary marketing stuff and agents. That's what you see. You see the ancillary marketing stuff. You see the, the, the bright, shiny things that they're doing. And you think that's what they're doing in order to get the business. They're not getting the business that way for the most part. They're reinforcing the business that they're getting from their proactive lead generation. So your postcards that you mail out, you said, I mailed out a thousand postcards. I'm just waiting for the leads to fly in. No leads come in. You do it again. You do it again. You do it again. You do it again. Month six in, you spent six grand. You call the postcard company and say, where are my leads? They're going to say, Steve, you just need to do it for another six months. You do it for another six months, you call again. No leads. Steve, you just need to do it for another six months. Another six almost months. Almost there. Leads. It's almost, almost there. there. Dude, you got it. But guess what's happened? You've been in the business 18 months, and now you're basically looking for a job. That is the reality of real estate. And it's painful. And it's sad. And I find it offensive that, I, I, like, there's two schools of thoughts, right? Like, the people that are telling agents this either don't know better or they do know better, but they're they're putting their own private, they're putting their own you know finances and financial goals ahead of the client. What which do you think it is, or is it both? It's I think it's both. A lot of it is the brokers don't know better. I mean, you and I have seen there are companies where if you're in real estate for a year and you have five sales, you need a team. You yeah. need to have a team. Well, that's insane. The broker wants you to have a team because they want to sell their parent company's websites, T-shirts, all the $5 widgets they can to make money. Or the broker doesn't know. I've been doing this real estate thing north of 20 years. I have seen tens of thousands of agents, and I've seen the worst agents I've ever dealt with open their own brokerage. And then the agents who go to work for them are not trained at any level. So they're being told, well, you got to do postcards, you got to do ads, because the broker doesn't know any better. See, you want to know the way up the mountain, talk to somebody coming down. Don't talk to your broker who did 10 deals a year for five years and opened a brokerage. Call Tim, call me, find an agent who's doing 50 deals, do beg, borrow, and steal their lunch. I don't care. I, when I first got into Virginia from Massachusetts, my financial planner said, you got to meet this guy. He's the number one financial planner in the world. And I said, what makes him great? He goes, I don't know. He'll never meet with me. It took me a year and a half of calling almost every 10 days. And I said, your favorite charity is this. I have a check for $5,000. Will you go to lunch with me and I'll give this to your charity? Well, he did. He was so gracious. He told me about things to at a higher level. And then I handed him the check and he ripped it up and he wrote his own check. He said, no, someday you're going to need to give somebody 5,000. I can afford it because I really couldn't afford the 5,000. And he was so gracious. So you got to find people doing 25, 30, 40 deals. And those are the people you emulate because those are the ones who are pushing, not the three deals every six month person. You can't well, learn anything from them. 
I, I, so it, the, the trickiness is, is if they're doing their 25, 40, 50, even 100 deals, but they're buying all their leads and they have no net profit, don't copy those people. Don't copy them. Don't copy them. Because as soon as the market farts, basically, they're going to be so beholden to buying business that they're not, they're, they're, they're basically going to go broke. And that's what that's happens right. every time there's even a slight downturn in real estate. Yep. So, so being proactive lead generator, like I, you've got clients like this too, right? The, the people that are consistent at prospecting, consistent at proactive lead generation, consistent at keeping their numbers of listings up, those guys and gals, they get rich. I mean, genuinely multi-millionaires. And, and this is the, when you were talking, this is what I was thinking. There's a great Warren Buffett quote. He said, America loves to celebrate the, the comeback story, right? The gal or guy that made it, lost it, made it, lost it, made it, lost it. I mean, they make movies about those people, right? Books about those people. That's it, but, man. But Warren loves to, he said, I love to celebrate the guy or the gal that made it, never lost it, and kept on Making increasing it. what they had created. But isn't that fascinating? It's almost ingrained to our brains that we think we have to have success than failure, success than failure. In real estate, you see that in good month or good quarter, bad quarter, good month, bad quarter. And then you go and ask all the people around you and they'll say, well, that's how it is. You know, you better da 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 And so agents burn through their savings. They have nothing to show for it. They get behind in their taxes. And then they're thinking, oh my God, out of desperation, I need to start buying buyer leads. Uh, you know, this is the insanity of it all when you're not building a business that's proactively generation-based. I mean, that's it, it why, is kind of, yeah, that's why I said earlier, one of the first things I do is get everyone to add 250 people to this sphere every year because they have a shelf life. Absolutely. So if you do a good job, you add somebody to your sphere and you have a moderate follow up program, meaning you keep in touch with them and you work them through a good script. They'll give you 15, 20, 25, 30 deals next year. And then you add another 250 and there's another 20. You're guaranteed 25 deals a year by adding 250 people. And Tim, the average person works about 250 days. So how many people do they need to add every day? One, yeah. One, one. one. All you have to do, the coaching clients I have, one of the things I do in the beginning of the call is how many people did you add to your sphere this week? I have a wonderful commercial broker I'm working with. And they're a bit analytical because they love the crunch numbers. And I'm requiring him every day to meet someone new about anything commercial and then send me the email about this guy or gal who owns the property. And in less than 60 days, he's picked up 35 new people that he can now call on any time he wants about commercial property. Guys, it's one a day, one a day, and you're going to be fine. So, so let, but there's agents listening right now, your driver types, let's just, you know, I'll tee it up for you. You already know this, obviously that do, like, okay, here's a good example. Greg Newman. I don't know if he still is the number one or number two or three prudential agent in the country. You know, Greg, I have some, mm -hmm. and he will, and I, we had a, an event um, in, uh, I don't remember what year, it was a long time ago. It was in Laguna beach and it was at the montage. I remember that. <laughs> and Greg was on stage and, um, I asked where I was interviewing Greg and I asked him about centers of influence and past clients. And he said, he's never worked them ever, ever, ever. He said, he'd rather basically just spend all of us. You know, I don't know if he changed. I doubt if he's changed. I bet he still just does goes after direct calling. And there's been other great agents that will never work their centers of influence and past clients. But he said, this is interesting. It's his greatest regret not having done that to start out with. So that's, that's it. I'm just, I'm trying to wrap up that particular aspect of our conversation, but and guys, it, it is not it, work them. If there's a bunch of expired, withdrawn, canceled, and expires, you know, if there's 50 expires a day, guys, that's that's 1500 a month. You can pick up one or two a month and make a good living. But in most markets, there's one a day. You can't make a living. I coached this great guy in Detroit, and we went into the REO section where the bank foreclosures are coming. And I said, well, you got to call your past clients. He goes, I don't like to call my past clients. You know, that's all mushy, mushy talk. I just want to slam, bam, thank you, ma'am. I want to call, make the appointment, move on. I just want to turn and burn. And I said, well, at the end of the call, it wasn't going well. And I said to him, and I won't use his name, and he's a wonderful guy. I said, blank, you're like a professional dodo bird hunter. He said, what's a dodo bird? Look it up. We'll talk next week. The next week, he's a driver. There's no gosh darn dodo bird. Dodo birds are extinct. We ate it to extinction. What? How the heck can you be a professional dodo bird hunter if there's no dodo birds? How can you make a living on expireds if there's no expireds? That's awesome. I love so it. if you yeah. have expireds, cancel withdrawals, work them because they are fast. If there's buy owners not selling, work them. But as Greg said, a database 
gives you constant income all the time. They're outselling you. They're conduits. Think about it. you got 100 past clients in the sphere. They know 200 people. Guys, that's 20,000 people. We just need a few of those deals. Well, that's the only asset, right? I mean, a real estate, a real estate practice, right? There is, there is really no value to a real estate practice. People, generally speaking, don't sell their brand and all that. But your debt centers of influence and past client list, that has value. Um, and that does give you, but but even at that, let, let's so let's transition. Um, so you re, you are about to make a big announcement. I think it's gonna, I frankly, I don't think it'll surprise anybody because you're a smart forward-thinking guy, but you have decided to align with EXP Realty. Absolutely. And and I know you are you're talking you were talking to Sean Kokoska about that. And Sean Kokoska also is a huge name in real estate. And you know, he was president of MAPS coaching at Keller Williams. And he's another somebody who's a journeyman coach like all the rest of us, right? Right. And, and so you decide, you decide to align with EXP Realty. And, and you and I just chatted a little bit about it, but it was fascinating to me when you started to make, and I went through the same process of, you know, years ago, but when you started to make the mental uh, connections between the what you're coaching people to do and uh, what EXP Realty provides for agents as far as creating alt, uh, additional financial passive sources of right. income. Can you, like, I remember on the phone with you when, I, when Sean had me on with you, I could feel when you had those connections being formed. Do you mind sharing with the listeners? What were the, like, what are you thinking now? It's, it, you know, EXP Realty, you're an EXP Realty agent. You obviously are going to want to encourage your uh, coaching clients to take a serious look at EXP Realty. Where's your mind at? You know, it's funny. I'll just, if I can, I'll take a step back. I got a cold call from Sean two years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I was in the car. My wife, my wife drives everywhere. She's had two back surgeries. She drives. I sit in the passenger seat so I can work. And I remember we were somewhere in North Carolina, high steep power, Sean Kokoska. And we had a nice conversation. And Sean is very polite, very professional and well scripted. And we were chatting. I said, normally, Sean, I hang up on sales calls in the first minute or two. I like to listen because I like to learn. We've been on the phone for 20 minutes. I'm taking notes how good he was on a script yep. because when I would ask a question, he had a great answer. And I said, you know, I'm not looking to move now, Sean, because I have my broker's license in Florida. It's in the referral company at a, at a wonderful company, but I'm not really that active. I do all referral fees because I'm coaching. But let me look into it. And he sent me to whylibertas.com or something like that. And That's I looked it at it and, yep. and it was yep. like it was the beginning of the transition. I got a phone call, a cold call. He realized I was going to make a move. He stayed in touch. Very similar to real estate. I find somebody wants to move in two years, stay in touch. Then Sean called me, gave me some more information. And it was just enough information for me to keep looking. My son and I started Powerline Prospecting this year in Florida. And I said to my son, Will, we're going to open a real estate company in January because we're gonna have these 100 people working for us and they're gonna to wanna to go into real estate. So let's just open one next door, they can transition. And I said, I've looked at all the companies, Will. I've looked at Remax and KW and Compass. And you know, I've been doing this guys for north of 20 years and I know a little bit about the industry. And, and my son said to me, why XP? And I gave him four answers, which were basically the answers that Sean gave me. I said, because it's easy, it makes us more money, keeps us client retention for the buyer's agents that, and the agents that come to work for us. And it gives them something for the future. So there's no reason to leave us because the biggest it cost for a real estate broker is turnover. Yep. And so when I looked at all the models, EXP was the future for what we needed. And I think for most people, and then of course, because I'm going to do this with my son, I had the responsibility to look at the long-term because I looked at different EXP branches and that's how I went back to Sean. And when I talked to Sean last year, I said to him, Sean, if I decide to open a real estate company in uh, with EXP, it'll be through you. And then remember I told you last week, you said, why Sean? Because I gave Sean my word. Mm -hmm. I'm real big about keeping my word. So my son and I are quite excited. My son was going through the things going, oh my gosh. This is going to be so good. The people that come work for us are going to make so much money. But then you start to look at the deeper part. EXP has all the technology. So the buyer's agents can get on training almost every hour of the day and learn something of value. So in a nutshell, I was cold called. I was led follow up. The product was excellent. I researched it. It was a no brainer. 
It's, you know, you and I, again, we've been in the business forever. I've never seen anything, anything, maybe the beat, truthfully, maybe buyer lead selling, but that buyer lead selling thing took off in 2007 and just came back down and got oversaturated. I have never seen a brokerage or I've never seen any business in, uh, in, you know, real estate that's grown like EXP that has the, you know, 15 different countries. There's 63 or 64,000 agents right now. It's extraordinary. Um, and to be part of something that's growing like that, it is incredible, right? It's so motivational because you're around all these other people like you, like Sean, and you know, you mentioned uh, the other people in the ex- some. It's incredible. It's attracting the best and the brightest of the you know the past generations and the attracting the best and the brightest of the future generations. Um, it, yeah, and I agree. There's so many incredible things you I, mentioned I the website. I coach a team, and one of the people on there I coached, and she's an agent. And so I said to her, just feeling things out. You guys have been with EXP for about 16 months. How's it working for you? She goes, oh, my God, it's so much better than the other company we worked at. And I won't mention it, but it rhymes with Lemax. And she said, she said, I've already got $100,000 in stock. Yeah. She goes, I, I, I'm never leaving EXP. And well, I thought, that's what I need. I need my agents not to want to leave because of a shiny object of 1% more somewhere else. It totally. And, and us, from a coaching perspective and of coaches, if you're listening to this right now and you're worried about transitioning over to EXP and you're thinking that somehow you're going to alienate your coaching clients, the exact opposite is true because no. you got to realize what EXP is offering. So if you are in the business and your highest and truest purpose in this plan is to be of service to your coaching client and you don't introduce them to EXP, whether they make the decision to go or not, that's their decision. But if, if you don't do it, you're out of integrity. Because EXP creates, it's uh, Glenn Sanford said this, right? There's two things agents don't do well, pay their taxes and save money. Well, EXP Realty does things for you despite you. Like most people have no, uh, you know, <laughs> genetic uh, predisposition to uh, save money. Most people, if they have 60 to 90 days of financial security, they're good. They're done, right? They're not going to think beyond that. They can't visualize the future versions of themselves. EXP squared that away because of the stock awards, because of the revenue share, because of all the other things. But if that, if those things are too obtuse for you, one of the greatest attributes of the XP, frankly, is the technology, is the support, is the fact that in many cases, you're going to put a lot more money in your pocket. I mean, Steve, if you're an icon agent, right? Effectively, you're going to, your cap is 16,000. Once you cap, you sell an additional 20 units or have a total GCI 500 grand. This is someone who's you know being successful in real estate. You get that cap back right. in the form of EXPI stock. I've known people in our coaching company who were icons multiple times, right? It's a calendar year thing. And now they have millions of dollars in EXPI stock. So that is the that right there, when you get that, it's amazing because the old conversation is what are you paying your broker? The new conversation has to be, what is your broker paying you? I don't want to hear any more about this is an agent-centric brokerage because we provide all this care and love and support for our agents. Okay, what are you actually doing to take care of them if they can't work anymore? What are you doing to make it so that they can have a legacy financially from the money that they contribute to their churches and charities and, and frankly, the wealth that they build for themselves and future generations, their grandchildren and whatnot? That's agent-centric. That's what we should be talking about. So yeah, man, it's incredible. And I, I appreciate the fact that you joined DXP Realty too, because it is the way forward. There's no two ways about that at this point. Did well, I, the, uh, other, the other companies, you know, and, and the way I looked at it, it's EXP has very little brick and mortar. The the, the none, more basically. established company are like Sears. They have all the anchor stores, but no customers. I worked at a, a Berkshire Hathaway company. We had every office had a manager, an assistant manager. We had four or five vice presidents, a president, a CEO, and then an owner. And there's so much overhead that has to be covered with the broker fee. If you're at C21, you got 6% plus other fees. When I looked at EXP, one of the reasons is because I was always wondering, how am I getting this money? And it just dawned on me. They don't have the overhead. We don't have... 600 presidents and 5,000 vice presidents and big buildings everywhere that the agents have to support, which doesn't return. The overhead is very small in EXP, and that's why they can afford this sharing of the revenue. Well, you just so it's a national brokerage. 
There's not, they're not, it's not a franchise. Yeah. And there's, and because it's virtual, all of the, so when you're selling, you know, franchisees, the people that start the brokerage, they're getting a piece of agent commission. There's the person that owns the region. There might be somebody else up here. And then there's all the, you know, the, essentially the cost of running the brokerage from wherever the mothership is. All of that, that's the reason the agents are in commission splits and typically pay a, a additional fee on top of that, a royalty fee or whatever it's called. And you actually look at the money, amount of money you're paying. And some agents have caps, some agents don't have cap. It's extraordinary. And so some agents will say, well, my cap is $18,000 or $20,000, right? And But what you're not realizing is the loss of the compounding interest you could have gotten had you actually not only gotten your cap back because you icon, but let's just say the difference between your cap between, and you're not going to icon. Let's just say the difference between your cap is $10,000. If you've taken that 10,000, well, here, could you have done something with that $10,000? Could you have invested that? Could you have put that money into taking your kids to, you know, a vacation or something, right? It does matter. These things do matter because it accumulates. If you're in the business for 10 years and you've been overpaying your broker for that amount of time, that could have been money that you'd saved. If that money was in a, you know, a stock market or something that's going to, maybe you could have bought a rental property with that. You guys get it? This matters. I get the fact that you're you love your brokerage and you love the people in your brokerage and that's fantastic. But you got into business. Why did you get into business? Is really the top question. Most of you got into the business because you wanted to experience the sense of freedom. You wanted to get the sense a sense of not having that financial monkey on your back. So if you get into you know if you had passive income coming in enough to cover your own personal overhead, that right there will make most of you financially free. Our def, Julie and I, you know, that's it, right? So if most agents, Steve, had $7,500 coming in, depending on their market, could even be less. That would set them free to do so many more things with their lives. But if nothing else, it would make them enjoy their life more because yeah. that financial monkey wasn't omnipresent on their back. What are you thinking? Gosh, you hit it. I mean, if the if the saving is only 10000 every five years, you give me 50000 I can buy a rental unit. So in 10 years, I have two rental units. In 20 years, I have four. I like my brokerage, but do I want to stay here and give up four rental properties for the rest of my life? Because the rental properties can compound. And so it comes down to if you're a business person you and you're in real estate, then you got to look at what's best for you. EXP, the numbers work so much better because it's designed around each agent making more by providing more. So I'm going to do two things, guys. I'm going to put a link in the description and I'll tell you what the link is. It's going to be whylibertas.com forward slash Steve. Why Libertas. So it's W-H-Y Libertas, which means freedom in Latin, L-I-B-E-R-T-A-S.com forward slash Steve. And Steve, I'm going to ask you, I didn't ask you this prior to us starting. I would like for you to give your cell phone number right now so they can call you and ask you questions about um, having you sponsor them at EXP. Obviously, sponsored by Steve Powers, which in my opinion is one of the most you know fantastic real estate coaches in the nation. You guys have this guy as your sponsor. You guys have this guy as someone who's going to help you, mentor you, and coach you in your real estate business. You are going to increase your likelihood of succeeding. Exactly. It's going to go up, right? So Steve, <laughs> what is your cell phone number so they can... Uh, I, the, and I'll make it easy on you. They're going to text you, not call you. So folks, text him. Oh, well, you're going to get a lot of calls. That's it's bro. okay. That's All right. Fine. There you go. Here's so, the deal. I have you mail. So you leave a message and I'll call you back. I'm a full-time agent. This is what I do. I coach, I sell, I have a prospecting company with my son. Either I'm working or I'm playing this afternoon. I'm picking up my boat. I've got a jet ski about 60 feet away. I'm riding that. If you're, if I don't pick up the call, I'm having fun. When I'm done fun, I'll call you back. 757-719-4329. 757-719-4329. So here's the deal. If you're EXP curious, click the link below and go to whylibertas.com forward slash Steve. If you're ready to enroll and you're and ready to join and you're looking for a sponsor who's obviously going to be very proactive in your success at EXP, Please text or call Steve directly. And the number is 757-719-4329. All right, cool. So anything else you'd like to say to these guys as we wrap up? You know, we've been on for almost 90 minutes. Isn't that incredible? My God, if you've been on this for 90 minutes, either A, you want to do really well in real estate. So you're liking the information. And of course, you like EXP. Or B, you have no desire to do anything in life and you'll watch anything. I'm hoping it's A. Or so. C. They don't know how to turn the video off and they're just waiting for the pain to end. 
<laughs> and so I'll leave you with this, which is a coaching point. Tim, let me ask you a question. Is somebody in your market going to buy or sell a house today? Mm, yes, sir. Are they going to call you or do you need to find out who they are? Um, I'm probably going to have to find out who they are. So let's end this. Why don't you end this by getting on the phone, go door knocking, find the person who wants to buy or sell today. Let them know that you have the expertise to help them. And then we both win, don't we? Yeah, that's true. We do. Easy right. peasy. Cool. Hey guys, listen, we really appreciate it. I'm going to, this is a big announcement. And Steve, again, I didn't ask you about this, but I have a feeling you'll say yes. So we're going to announce and we're going to start a new podcast in addition to Real Estate Coaching Radio, which is the nation's number one listened to daily podcast. Julie and I and our podcast have between 15 and 20 million downloads. I'll have to check. Uh, so we're going to start a complimentary podcast. The sort of milk toast title I've got for it is, or the name I've got for it is uh, Coach's Corner. But we're going to have Steve. So Steve, you're formally being invited right now. Tim and Julie, you're going to have Orlando Montiel, who is the number one Hispanic coach in the United States, at least the United States. Sean Kokoska, Eric Orlin. And we're all going to get on. And what we're going to do, ready for it, Steve? Yeah, ready. Live, co live coaching. So we're going to do live Instagrams and live Facebooks. And people are going to enter the questions in. And we're going to answer their questions. And what we'd be fascinating is, even though you and I, mostly, we have the same philosophy, right? It's right. called common sense. But yeah. some of the other coaches, they're going to take a more passive marketing-based approach to the, uh, the suggestions that they'll give. And we'll balance all of it out. And I think it could be a really great series. That is going to start effectively, I'm guessing, probably uh, next week or the week after that. Yeah, we're just going to start it. Cool? Ready, right, fire, in. Hey, Ready, Steve, fire love you, brother. In. Thanks for joining. Thanks, everybody. You guys have a great day. See you later. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.